Welcome to the Build Change Impact Podcast, where we help you build your business, change your life, and impact your world through inspiring conversation. This is for you, business owners, to help you go from just working it to building an asset with greater impact. I'm your host, Stacey Ansley, so let's get started. Well, welcome back. I'm really excited for today's interview to share with you. It's with Dr. CJ Emmons. And CJ is a direct primary care doctor in Ocala, Florida, where I live. And I really wanted to share this interview with you because if you've ever read the book Blue Ocean, or if you haven't, I highly recommend it. Blue Ocean Strategy is about how to create an uncontested market space and make the competition irrelevant. And really, when you're creating a blue ocean, you're focusing on the factors that customers really care about while discarding the factors that they don't. And that is exactly what CJ has been able to do with her medical practice. And so if you feel stuck in your business, if you feel like, hey, there's some things that are just not working, I'm just grinding it out and it's not coming together then I encourage you to listen to this interview and see how she has flipped the script and how that has allowed her some more margin in her life and in her business. And um, think about what that could mean for you if you're really just stuck and feel like, okay, I can't keep doing this this way. Think about maybe changing a few things and, and allowing for that change to benefit your customers, your clients, your patients, whatever as well as you. And so let's dive into this interview. CJ, thanks so much for joining us today. I'm really looking forward to having this conversation with you. And one of the things that has really intrigued me about your practice and how um, you do what you do is that you've kind of disrupted the traditional market a little bit. So can you kind of share with the audience about your practice and um, how it kind of got started? Sure. Well, it started with a different practice. So the typical practice, which we'll call fee-for-service. That means you see a patient, they generally have insurance, you bill the insurance, and then you hope to get paid within maybe two or three months. Um, You don't know how much you're going to get paid by the insurance company. And the patient all the while doesn't even realize that that's going on so much in the background. Um, It was, you're also incentivized in that model to take care of really sick people. You typically could get paid more for taking care of a sicker person than a healthy person. And you're getting paid based on volume. So the incentive, the incentive is skewed in my mind. So you're seeing a lot of really sick people and as many of them as you can um, to get, to get paid well. Um, So obviously you're not going to get, you're not going to take great care of people that way, really sick people. And a lot of them, um, it just made no sense to me. And I, I was really bad at it because I wouldn't do it. I would take a lot of time um, and make phone calls and make house calls, which you don't get paid for. So my husband really saw that it wasn't sustainable. I was going to burn out um, after a few years of opening my own practice and practicing in this model. And he showed me the direct primary care model that he had stumbled across just through internet searches. 
Um, so with the direct primary care model, there are monthly membership fees. So it's a direct provider to consumer um, business model. So my patients see me, they pay me a monthly fee um, that covers that covers anything that I can do for them, whether I'm making a house call, they're coming into the office, a phone call, a text, you know, anything like that. So my, I am, it's transparent and simple. I'm taking care of a patient. Um, the patient knows what services they're getting. And by cutting out the insurance middleman for primary care, it just simplifies the whole matter. Um, and from a business standpoint, it's really great to know you can project income and budget and not just cross your fingers and hope you're going to get paid in a few months by the insurance company, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. And so how, um, what did your practice look like before as far as staffing and what does it look like today? Or let's even say just when you started your direct primary care, let's go from what it looks like before to when you started your direct primary care. So what it looks like before was four staff plus my husband, who's the jack of all trades kind of office manager. Um, plus myself as the physician. And when we changed over to direct primary care, I had the number of patients um, that I had projected that I needed to have. So with my old practice, it was about 2,000 patients. With the direct primary care, I had projected if I can get 300 people to sign up, I'll be able to pay my mortgage and eat, <laughs> um, but I won't have any staff. It'll be me answering phones and doing everything. Um, but I thought it was going to work and it did. So we had enough patients sign up that my husband and I said, you know what, we, we need to keep, we really want to keep our staff. We don't want to let them go just in case not enough people sign up because they're awesome. And the staff is what made our practice really. Um, they were, they're the face, they're the front line there who answers the phone and greets them and takes care of them before they get to me. So I didn't want to lose them, that awesome staff, only to be successful, get enough patients, and then try and rehire them or find pe be forced to hire people that weren't as good as my original staff. So we kind of took a lap leap of faith, and um, we were overstaffed for at least a year. Okay. So that was a little hard financially, but it was we considered it an investment for the future. And it's paid off because enough people signed up that it's sustainable to have the poor staff. Well, that's wonderful. Yeah. And now you have additional physicians that you've brought on over time. Yes. So Dr. Hutchins started in September of 2018 um, and Dr. Willis started in February of 2019. That is phenomenal. Really awesome. And now did they both come from the traditional practice? One of each. So Dr. Hutchins came straight out of residency. She finished her residency and, and joined our practice. Um, being a younger physician in family practice, direct primary care is something that they're hearing about now in training. So she actually sought me out. Um, she heard Ocala, where I, where I practice, is her hometown. So she heard there was a direct primary care doctor in her hometown. And so she emailed me and said, hey, I want to do this too, but I don't want to start my own business. With, are you hiring? So I said, why don't you come and do a rotation with us during residency and see if we're a good fit and go from there. She was awesome. So we hired her. So she sought us out, which was ideal. Yeah. And then Dr. Willis had um, been in practice in that traditional model, the fee-for-service world, 
for probably 15 years. And um, I had known him in the community and had a lot of respect for him. So I had talked to him about this model for quite some time, also because I wanted his wisdom on it. And eventually he, he came over too. So he, he joined us. Very cool. So as you've been growing your practice, your business, um, what do you think some tough things have been for you? Like what has been the hardest? Has it been educating an audience on uh, what this really means? Has it, you know, what are those things that have been, you've been like, oh, growing a business isn't a walk in the park? Mm -hmm. Uh, Educating the audience, yes, um, because we, hmm, I guess really backing that up is, where where do you invest? Because having the first practice and then the second practice, we've been in this state of just a few more years and we're going to catch up. Just a few more years of, you know, just grind it out and then we're going to get out of debt or, or be in a comfortable place. And so we're, we're at that point now. We're like, okay, we, we're here. We're good. So the question of, well, what do we do next? Do we just do we relax in this, not relax, but are we comfortable here and we just kind of keep it here and perfect it here? Or do we take any of that profit and invest it into expanding, knowing that, oh, that might be another five years of grinding it out. So when do we, where do we invest um, those profits? So, and for, on that aspect, marketing that is a little bit tough because you can't really do a 30 second uh, radio ad about direct primary care because nobody knows what the heck it is. Yeah. So we've found that, um, and we think it's worked out that putting our money in marketing has been more about, um, I guess, paper marketing that we're, you know, a trifold, a brochure that is being handed to a potential client by a person who knows what they're talking about. Like, so by myself or by a staff member, so we can give them the hard copy, but we can also explain it because them just seeing an ad in a magazine, they're going to gloss right over it because people don't know what direct primary care is in five years. Hopefully it'll just be a common, uh, common term. So if they do hear it on a radio ad or a magazine and print, they'll know what it is right away. Very cool. So now let's talk about a little bit about your life today. So you have two boys. They're now elementary school age. When you were having your other practice, they were very young. Mm-hmm. Um, so what does your life look like differently now that you've made this pivot and chosen a different direction? I can't even describe uh, the difference. So yeah, I had my first child while I was in medical school and the second in residency. So that was, I knew that was going to be a blur anyway, but looking forward to practicing, I thought there would be a little bit of um, an improvement there with my time with my family. And with that first model of practice, there wasn't, uh, it was worse. I remember telling other doctors I'd rather be in residency right now. It would be easier. Um, I was, I, I yearned for the 80, 90 hour work weeks because they were better than what I was having right then. I'd be at the hospital. I wouldn't see him for three days, even though we were sleeping in the same house. Um, But the main thing was, I'm not whining about that. Everybody knows, yeah, being a doctor is tough. So that, why is she complaining about that? It wasn't that. It was that I was up really late, falling asleep on the couch, writing notes, my patient encounter notes, because I had to make them right to turn them into the insurance company. 
Mm-hmm. You had to check to get that box. So my family could get paid, right. So it was a complete paradigm shift. So now if I'm up late, it's because I'm researching an illness to take care of a patient, like a particular patient. It's not because I'm documenting for an insurance company. Um, but my time is so, so much more flexible. Like I said, I can make a house call. My, my kids have come with me and made house calls before. Um, I, I have a margin, which is a word that unfortunately I didn't learn about until maybe the last year and a half. Okay. So, and I think that has been huge where before, um, let's see, Fridays were my day off is my administrative day before. I mean, I'd still wake up 5 a.m. and just be on the computer until, you know, take breaks for food, but till late at night. Now I have margin. So I can do work on Fridays, but if we want to go to the beach, we can, and I can catch up the next day. Um, because I don't have as much patient volume. I have 700 patients instead of 2000. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. So let's explain the model a little bit. So they will still have technical insurance for the most part, your patients, correct? Um, explain how that all works. Yeah. Yeah, so we have different, we have um, a variety. I have, I happen to have a high Medicare population, so older patients over 65 uh, living in North Central Florida. We have a lot of retirees. So I have a, personally, I have a lot of patients who have Medicare and a supplement. Um, that's probably about 60% of my patients and 40% are commercially insured, you have a Blue Cross or United or something. So they're paying those monthly premiums plus an additional fee for for me. And then I have a handful of uninsured patients, but the majority of mine happen to be insured because the majority of my patients followed me from my old practice. Okay. They they pay that additional fee just because they trust me, they like our staff and they know access to you. Right. And they like that access. Um the majority of Dr. Hutchins and Dr. Willis's patients at this time um, are more patients that are, we'll say, uninsured or underinsured, whether, you know, maybe they own a small business and they don't qualify for Medicaid, perhaps, but uh, Blue Cross plan for their family is just out of reach uh, or just not a good investment, you know? And so, um, they will pay the monthly fee for the primary care doctor. And then in turn, our, our office has gone through and negotiated price, wholesale pricing essentially for labs and imaging and testing. So um, if we knew that somebody that was uninsured needed a blood panel and a chest x-ray, we've gone through and negotiated with those providers at the lab and the imaging center um, discounted rates through our office. Very, very cool. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Um, so the next thing that I just want to touch about um, is kind of tell a little bit of a story. And then you've touched on it a little bit. And that is that our son is a patient there. And one day he was sick. It was a Friday afternoon. And I messaged in through the app and said, hey, like he's not feeling well. And I got a call back from Dr. Hutchins. And she said, hey, I've already left the office. But um, what part of town do you live in? And happened to be, you know, She's like, hey, that's not too far from where I live. Um, do you mind if I stop by? And I just remember being like, hmm? yes, that's <laughs> fine. Like, I was so shocked. I was like, wait a minute. This is not real. Um, 
And so I just know that what this has meant for our family has been phenomenal. Just that, you know, if I need to get into an appointment, it, it happens pretty quickly. I don't think that I've sat in your waiting room more than three minutes, (laughs) but you just don't sit there (laughs) where, you know, previously we take him to the pediatrician's office or whatever, and you're there for a good 20, 25 minutes trying to keep your kid entertained before you get called back to sit in a room to wait another 20, 25 minutes before the doctor comes in. And so, um, I know that it has just been phenomenal and I love this example, um, of, you know, any business can really look and flip the model and make it. Um, and that's why there's this book, it's blue ocean strategy. And I, I really believe that this is the ideal example of a blue ocean strategy. A lot of other examples would be like iTunes. Um, when they came around before them, you could only get an entire CD. Now, all of a sudden you could get one song at a time. Mm -hmm. Another example would be Cirque du Soleil. And how, you know, it's not really a traditional circus, but the experience that they give you is incredible. Southwest Airlines, like they're like no other airlines. You, you don't know what seat you're going to sit in and you still get your luggage for free. And, you know, it's an experience. And so I think that this direct primary care model definitely fits into that blue ocean. And so it's a great business example for any business owner to kind of look at as an example of how if their business isn't currently working for them and they feel like they're operating, competing on price, competing on all these other things, competing with whatever those factors are that are keeping them um, up at night or early in the morning that really look at examining how they can flip their model, make some changes so that they can create their own blue ocean. So thank you so much for chatting with us. It's just been wonderful. And um, if anyone's in the Ocala area, Ocala, Florida, we'll go ahead and link to her practice and you can check her out. So thank you so much, Stacey. It was great talking with you. Great talking to you too. And that wraps up this episode of Build Change Impact Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you found this conversation inspiring, or if it piqued your interest as to how you can work on your business and not just in it, I invite you to join other like-minded business owners in the free Build Change Impact Facebook group, Basecamp. Basecamp is a group of business owners here to help you, guide you, and share some insight about ways that you can build your business, change your life, and have a greater impact on your world. You'll find a link to join in the show notes or just head over to buildchangeimpact.com forward slash Basecamp. Come join us and maybe we'll feature your story on an upcoming episode of the Build Change Impact podcast. I'm Stacey Ansley and I look forward to seeing you in the group.